you know, what you own and whatnot, if these things are making you happy, then when you don't have them, you're going to be miserable. You know, you're not going to be happy. So if your happiness is always contingent and dependent on external things, you know, you're stuck. You're still, you're basically, you know, you're still jailed to like all these impermanent situations. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast with Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Whether you're looking to laugh or looking for advice and inspiration, we're so glad you're here. What's up? Oh, hey. Hey, Almost 30 Nation. It's Linz. And Krista. What's up? What's up? We're coming to you live. So happy you're here. If it's your first time listening to Almost 30, we don't know if we're going to change the name when we turn 30. (laughs) So don't ask me questions about it. The jury's out. Thank you so much for being here, guys. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you are back for more, what's going on? Thanks so much for joining our secret Facebook group. It's been popping off. I just got 85 notifications today and it was awesome. it was popping off. We were talking about non-negotiables. Oh, such a good one that such you brought up. Such a good one. So we were talking about what are your non-negotiables mm-hmm. when you date someone. So like what is like a definite no? You know, if you met someone, what's like a no? Mine is if a guy waxes his eyebrows, mm. I'm out. Mine was, and I have a few, but walking on your toes. Yeah, what's up with freaks that? Freaks me out. Yeah. I mean, well, you've seen it before. I, I know exactly. I've yeah. seen it. And I just don't know. It makes me feel a certain way. That's so interesting. It was so funny. Everyone was like kind of going, getting real specific. It was fucking amazing. They're like, yeah, if your name's like Ian and it rhymes with Ryan like, and you have brown curly hair and like a mole in your left eye, I hate you. you. I'm not into it. People were getting real specific. So that's what's going down in the Facebook group. And thank you so much for writing reviews on um, iTunes. We have just passed 200. Looks amazing. So that means so, so much. It's everything to us. Thank you guys. Um, All right. So today is really special. We have on... um, It's really beautiful. Yeah. Diego Perez, Mm -hmm. who is also known on all the socials as Young Pueblo. And he has the most... A beautiful Instagram account. So where Instagram can be a mess and it can make you feel down, it can be a place of comparison um, and a thief of joy, his account is one of those that speaks directly to your soul with timely universal wisdom that can just absolutely change and move you. On each of his accounts, he has beautiful short poems that have been featured on places like Free People and other other amazing spots, but he is just an amazing thought provoker, wordsmith, um, poet, and conduit of the language that has just mainly really speaks to our souls. Yeah, we were just blown away. He's only 26, I think. Yeah. Yeah, just so young. And it was, we felt like we were speaking to like this wise sage. So our conversation goes every which way. Mm -hmm. We talk about the power of social media. Mm -hmm. We talk about where he gets his deep inspiration. We talk about growing on social media. We talk about how to kind of navigate growth as we 
are in this world that is kind of really chaotic right now, politically, mm-hmm. in nature, like just kind of all of the chaos and how to navigate it in a way that is grounded and connected. His upcoming book that he's writing, so the book writing process and stuff like that, it was a really just deep, soulful, chill conversation um, that we're really excited to share with you guys and for you to follow along on his Instagram account and get your daily dose of inspo. All right, guys. So before we hop into this episode, just a quick word from our sponsors. We're pretty loosey-goosey chill. Yeah. We were actually (laughs) recommended to you by a few of the girls in our secret Facebook group. So almost 30 podcasts for the people that are new. And then also for you, just a little intro. We're a podcast about navigating life's transitions. So whether it's your 20s to your 30s, when it seems like you're making the biggest decisions of your life, where to live, what career to be in, who to be with, um, we want to provide the tools and resources to um, women um, to inspire them to live their lives in a better way. So whether that's nutrition advice, wellness advice, or with you, inspiration, um, thoughtful words from you know above, most likely, we like to share just insights with our listeners. So we're happy to have you today. And um, Chloe, actually, our intern, is like one of your biggest fans. Yeah, she loves you. She saves all of your Instagrams. (laughs) (laughs) It's a real honor to be invited onto your show. Um, Yeah, it's cool to hear that other people are telling you about my work. Well, I'd love to kind of take it back. Um, I mean, you are quite, how old are you, Diego? Uh, I'm 29. 29. Oh, me too. Good. Okay, cool. So we're quite young. <laughs> um, but I'd love to know kind of what the story behind your name um, and how that originated and um, the inspiration to take on this pen name um, and to speak to our generation. Uh, totally. So, uh, so yeah, so I write under the name Young Pueblo. My real name is Diego Perez, but I chose to write under, write under this name because it was a name that popped up into my life uh, pretty early on, like back in like 2004, 2013. And I knew that I wanted to be a writer. And over time, what I realized the name meant to me is that one is I was born in, um, in Guayaquil, Ecuador, in Ecuador. And in Ecuador, um, the word pueblo is used often to refer to the masses of um, economically impoverished people. Mm. And I always felt really connected to that because I came from really humble roots and uh, I always wanted to have it as a reminder to me. Sorry, can you give an example of how someone would use that? Like, wh- how would they use that in a sentence to describe what you're saying? Oh, so they they would say, you know, like they would refer to, um, basically it would be the, um, the synonym of, in English would be the people. It would refer to as like the people, um, the pueblos, so like the town, or, um, but it always had these connotations of being the vast majority, and the vast majority is typically poor. So... Um, that's, you know, that's what, what the name means in Ecuador. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Continue. Sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. Um, and the second part of that was that as I was, uh, starting to take meditation on seriously and doing my own learning, what I realized was that, uh, the world is very young. So like humanity as a collective, as a whole, uh, we're very, very young. And if you think about, uh, think back to like kindergarten, even though it was a long time ago, and you think to what our teachers were trying to, you know, impart on us is very simple things like don't lie, you know, don't hurt each other, like don't hit each other, share, clean up after yourself. And if you think about humanity as a collective, we're still trying to learn those things. You know, mm-hmm. some of us as individuals uh, can do these things, but as a whole, you know, we're constantly still 
at war with each other. We don't know how to clean up with our, after ourselves at all. And, you know, we're still quite making a mess of things as, as children would. So, I, that's, so the name Young Pueblo, you know, reminds me of my roots, but it also reminds me of where humanity as a whole is at. Um, because I really feel like we're all, you know, this, these next hundred years, we're all really growing. So, you know, when I write, I kind of, every time I sign something, I'm like, okay, you know, this is, this is what I'm doing. It's just trying to, you know, add my piece and my own growth and like help, you know, other people understand on their journeys as well. That's amazing. Do you have like a, I mean, do those, do the words come to you? Do, are, mm-hmm. do you meditate? Do you pray? Do you have like a process when mm-hmm. you write? Yeah. Um, it's always kind of changing. Uh, but usually, I mean, I meditate a lot. I meditate uh, two hours a day. Oh, and ooh, at one time or broken up? Uh, broken up, usually one mm-hmm. hour in the morning, one hour in the evening. Nice. And, you know, over time, you know, as you're meditating, your mind, uh, you, you release a lot of burdens. You know, you release a lot of these accumulations that are in your mind. So your, your mind gets clearer and lighter and lighter. Um, and you're able to sort of observe and understand things more, more quickly. So sometimes these words will just literally just pop into my head while I'm meditating or after I'm meditating. Mm. And other times, you know, I just uh, will take a topic and just start thinking about it and dissecting it and just sort of try to bring my own experiences from my life and what I've been understanding about myself and just try to see how they fit together and if they fit at all in any general sense for all humans. And sometimes they do. And how did it evolve? Like, were you, when you were growing up, were you always very spiritual or were you always very connected? Or when did you find your meditation practice? Can you tell us a little bit about your spiritual journey? Yeah, sure. Um, So uh, I think things started back when I was pretty young. I mean, I was raised Catholic and I was always a part of the church, but I was Mm -hmm. a big, like a big doubter. Like I, I, um, I loved my friends at church and I would go mainly just to like kind of hang out. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I really didn't really believe the answers that I was given um, didn't quite feel complete. Yeah. Um, I think there was, a, you know, a lot of, a lot of value and a lot of virtue in um, what we were doing and practicing, but I always felt like I needed more. So um, back when I was about 15 years old, I started uh, doing a lot of social justice work, uh, a lot of um, organizing, and that sort of kind of awoken me this need to understand what liberation meant. And I wanted to know, you know, what is liberation? Like, how do I free myself? What is that? So that kind of stuck with me throughout. And I, I was, uh, med- you know, sorry, I was uh, organizing off and on until about like 24, 25. And, you know, I was a part of a lot of different groups and whatnot and had a lot of successes, you know, uh, was a part of a lot of amazing campaigns. But I started noticing that we still had a lot more work to do. We weren't quite winning and we weren't quite changing the world the way we really wanted to. And that kind of led me to just fall backwards into meditating. And I had a friend of mine who did one of these uh, 10 day Vipassana meditation courses. And in those 10 days, he really, you know, he was a college buddy of mine and he changed pretty dramatically when he, when he came out, I was pretty sort of taken aback by what he was saying. When he came out, he, all he could talk about was love, compassion, and goodwill. And I knew I was like, okay, well, I need some of that. So I signed up and did one. I think I did my first one when I was 24. And after that, you know, I, I was able to sort of get a new understanding of liberation and what freedom meant, but from an internal perspective, not just in reorganizing the world into a place where uh, it is less harmful and less oppressive for all people, but, you know, literally 
taking out the oppressor that's inside of you and releasing all of this tension and ego and accumulations that are really impeding my own personal individual happiness. Mm. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm at today. Just sort of trying to, you know, bridge the two and um, help people, you know, understand the individual and how important the healing of the individual is to really creating a new world. And can you tell us a little bit more about the 10-day retreat? So what was that like? Where was that? You know, how did that impact you? So the first one that I did was out in uh, in Washington State. They're called Vipassana Meditation Courses, and they are run by uh, the main teacher, S.N. Galenka. He uh, he passed away a few years ago, but we still all learn uh, his exact teachings that he left for us. And there, you know, there are tons of other teachers who are under him who help help us with, um, you know, understanding and can answer, answer our questions and whatnot. But it's a pretty pretty rigorous, like, 10-day course where you spend three days developing your concentration, you're meditating about 10 hours a day, and then the next seven days you focus on purification. And, you know, I didn't really, I didn't have any meditation experience whatsoever before that, so... I just kind of threw myself in there and a lot of people just throw themselves in there and they're successful because this, the system that they've been able to build um, really just has a very high success rate, even though it's very difficult, um, you know, definitely felt like a lot of pains and a lot of these different traumas and issues mm. that I had been trying to ignore my whole life were just like, you know, blowing up and just exploding and just coming up. And, you know, I was able to face them and had a really, really good support there. But, you know, it's not like you're, you know, it's not some type of retreat or, you know, it's not, it's not anything really cozy. It's like a pretty mm-hmm. rigorous situation that's mm-hmm. been kept, kept the same for like about 2,500 years. So, um, yeah, it's, it's old and it works. So it's are you really eating? Cool. Like if you're sitting for 10 hours, like are you, is it sitting, <laughs> sitting meditation? Yeah. Like, are you like, ha- you know, are you getting uncomfortable because you're sitting so long? Like what's yeah, that totally. like? Uh, no, you, you eat, um, I mean, they have breakfast and they have uh, lunch and then they have a very light uh, dinner. Uh, you like eat fruits basically because they, they give you two full meals, two really big full meals in the morning and then mm-hmm. uh, a smaller one because um, when you're meditating, you want to kind of want to keep about only three-fourths of your stomach full. If, you're from, if your stomach is too full, then it's a little harder to meditate more deeply. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're definitely eating, and it definitely gets uncomfortable. You know, your your body starts aching because you don't really sit for that long, and you definitely get breaks throughout um, the day. You know, you're essentially sitting for about every every hour or two hours, and then, you know, you get up for like five, ten minutes, and you go back to it, and it kind of works like that throughout the day, and you get some longer breaks in the day, too, for like an hour and a half. But, but yeah, it's difficult, and it hurts, uh, but after a few days, you know, you kind of, you just get stronger and your, you know, your awareness goes up, your equanimity goes up, you become a lot more balanced in the mind and it's really powerful. Um, and also what's really cool about it too, is that they, you know, if you identify, so they kind of divide the place up into people who identify as men and people who identify as women. So women will have their own dormitories, men will have their own dormitories. And every, every meditation course that I've been to, there's always been um, it's usually sits around like 70 women and 40 men. And, you know, by far, I think more than like 90, 95% of the people make it all the way to the end. Hmm. Wow. Being so evolved and like woke at such a young age, have you like had challenges in relationships because of that? Does that <laughs> well, make sense? Um, so that's, <laughs> that's funny. So, so, well, I mean, I got a long way to go. I, got, I still have a lot of work to do on myself. 
Um, I definitely made some progress, but, um, but you know, I'm no enlightened being, I'm just, I'm still working on it, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's definitely created some challenges. I mean, I'm I'm married now and um, my wife also meditates. And so I I went to Wesleyan university and um, that's in Connecticut. And Mm -hmm. it was, it's, you know, it's 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 like a pretty, like a lot of intelligent people go there, but it's also kind of a party school. Hmm. So I, uh, you know, learned a lot, partied a lot. And when I started transitioning out of that life, my friends were kind of like, what, like, you know, you don't want to do drugs anymore. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I was just like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm done. Like it, it wasn't really serving me and it was, you know, made me kind of miserable. So, um, when I started cutting all that stuff out when I was 24, um, it was a bit of a shock to my friend groups, but you know, the friends who really loved me, they've totally been with me through all of my changes and you know, I still go out um, and hang out and, you know, I'll go to parties or dance parties or go to bars and whatnot. I don't drink anymore. I don't drink alcohol, but it's pretty easy to just hang out and have fun. I mean, it's, I'm, honestly, to be really honest, I feel like I'm having more fun now when I go to the bar and not drink than when I used to. I do too. Because mm-hmm. I don't really, so I used to drink, you know, in college and stuff like that, but now I don't really drink anymore. And I think it is more fun. It's like less stressful. Um, I'm not yeah. so worried about, you know, getting a drink or having a drink or how I'm feeling about that drink or, all, you know, there's a lot of worry that goes mm-hmm. with drinking. And I think it keeps yeah. you outside of yeah. like your body because you're always like looking around. Mm-hmm. I think like when you are a little bit buzzed or drunk, you're hyper aware mm-hmm. of kind of like the yeah. outside and just instead of being present with the people that you're with. Mm-hmm. Even if they are, or you're just like insecure. Yeah. So you're like emotionals are emotions are on blast. You know, so many arguments happen when people are drunk that would never happen normally. I have a I have a friend. He told I remember when I started smoking cigarettes like back when I was like eighteen, nineteen. So and I had a buddy of mine. He um (laughs) he was like he was like you know he was the one kind of like I was I was sort of. Like I started smoking because I thought he looked so cool. I was like, I need some of that coolness. Too, you know, um, what he said to me, he was like, he was like, Diego, the reason I smoke is because this is sort of the thing that keeps space between me and other people. You know, I use this almost like as a shield. Whoa. And it really hit me, and I was like, dude, I need some of that too. You know, like I need, I need a shield as well. Mm-hmm. And it really is. You know, it's something that creates space between you and others. And like, you know, if you still drink and smoke, whatever. You know, you do you, but yeah. um, there, there is definitely some some aspect of distance that we're creating, even between us and ourselves, and us and other people when we're intoxicating ourselves, and that's you know kind of the reality of it. Damn, I never thought about it like that. Yeah, the distance thing is really interesting. I mean, you're essentially poisoning your body. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're essentially like walking (laughs) into a place, putting poison (laughs) in your body, and then saying like, bye to everyone. Mm -hmm. Because you're not going to be there. Like, you're not there Mm -hmm. when whatever's happening is happening. Um, Is there anything else that you've sort of moved away from or dropped or (laughs) any habits that have changed since you picked up meditation and you've gone on this path besides drinking things that we can to try and make ourselves look, feel better. We will drink any drink. We will take any medicine. We will eat all of the organic food. You know, losing my taste for alcohol a lot quicker. And, you know, even before that, I used to do a lot more drugs. But I dropped the harder ones first. And then I kind of dabbled in alcohol and pot for a while. And like dropped alcohol and then dabbled in the pot. 
you know, but two to seven days, like you were putting the hardest a one to let go because vagina. at times and it really did feel like a medicine are not for me, you know, really helps the like, so they have things like emotions or even if the um, world is a little too much, they have rayon in them. So they have things that are being absorbed by your body for days on end, for hours on end, that shouldn't be. So we need to be smarter about what we are putting in our bodies and all of the senses and we need to get with the program with Lola You have different ideas, especially when you first start smoking, you can like a little more deeply and you start considering things in different ways. Well, I think that's really true. Products, you know, it sort of does raise your vibration a little bit, but and then similar to like mushrooms and, and LSD, it definitely has a much higher effect. So you know, raises your vibration a lot. Super, or but when you start meditating very seriously, super, um, it raises your vibration you want, and, then you and your quantity, sort of clarity in your so mind so how many boxes much on like such a higher level that when you do these other things, they sort of anchor you down and they don't really let you come up further. So I remember the last couple times, like a few, I think like three years ago when I started doing my so mylola.com like LSD and the mushroom trips I felt off like you know I just wasn't learning anything order. anymore and when I was getting into Lola, meditating it was like a lot more profound and I was able to retain everywhere. a lot more of we it have you know you have like an amazing right, trip or something and then the next day you only really retain about 10% of it mm. but when you when you go and you meditate seriously and you come out you're like totally different and mm. you didn't lose anything so I really felt like you know like I like smoking weed but I'd much rather be freer, you know, like I don't want to have the need to smoke weed. So I just ended up, you know, made the hard decision to just let it go. And I feel like mushrooms and LSD is like the quick answer. You know, you're like, okay, I want to find enlightenment or whatever. So it's like, yeah. you know, you know, it's like the quick answer where I like really like the answer would be to like actually presently live your life and you will be shown all the things you need to be, sh you need, you need to be shown and you will experience all the things you need to be ex to experience, you know? So it's like just rushing everything. I think so. I think, um, I think, I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't take back the times that I did do, um, like acid and mushrooms mm -hmm. because I feel like they really helped me get to where I am now. Like there were a lot of understandings that I need to develop. Mm. But, you know, if you think about it, um, the things that are the chemicals that, that are awakened when you take these hallucinogenics, your body already has them. So when you're actually meditating and whatnot, you can produce these things much more uh, safely. Because one thing that I've seen um, is sort of people who, like, take LSD all the time, you know, like so often. And it almost feels like their minds are being, you know, stressed because these aren't natural situations that are happening internally, but mm -hmm. it's something external coming into the body. So, you know, I've, I've had some friends like totally burn out on doing LSD and whatnot. So, yeah. and, I've, and I've never sort of, I've never quite felt anything like that at all when I'm meditating. It's always felt very safe, especially if, um, yeah. if you follow the rules that your teachers want you to follow, then you're going to be in a very safe incubator and you're going to be able to take the ability of the mind to go to these levels where you're just, you know, you literally do not have the words to describe how amazing the things that you're able to feel and understand are. Yeah. I mean, if you're doing LSD a lot and you're look, you're talking to blue aliens on like the regular, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And like meeting yeah. your maker <laughs> once a week, yeah, yeah, yeah. everything else can seem a little dull. <laughs> did you have like, totally? did you have a, when you were doing like hallucinogenics, did you have like that transformative experience mm. like were you liberated from something in particular whether it's from your childhood or were you puked all night early then, adulthood <laughs> you forgave your mom and dad <laughs> i think um the one thing that most 
hit me hard when I would do those trips uh, when I was younger was that, you know, I really understood that everything was one. Like it hit me so hard. I'd be like laying on the grass, hanging out next to a tree, hanging out with my friends. And then I was like, oh yeah, of course, there is no division between myself, this tree and my friends. You know, there's mm. literally all flowing through and there's just, there's just nothing dividing. Mm. And I could feel that crystal clear. And I think that was a really powerful experience. But what I've seen out there, um, especially on like spiritual Instagram and whatnot is, you know, a lot of people get stuck on this idea of oneness and there's so much more to understand, you know? So when you go, you can go far beyond that and understand there is also a nothingness that we need to grasp. Um, and there's also, you know, just, just much more that you can, these are different ideas that you have to sort of come across understanding impermanence, understanding, uh, the, the, you know, the aspect of misery that comes with life and understanding nothingness and the idea of no self. Um, that also sort of coincides with this one is if you look at it uh, with a very clear mind, that can really help you uh, be much more liberated and much more free. So when people are just sort of going, because when you take the, L, the LSD, you know, it has sort of a, a set number of things that it can teach you. Mm. But when you're, you know, traveling the universe inside of yourself, you know, solely with your body and mind, it's literally, literally limitless, you know, what you can encounter. Yeah. So many of our listeners are, a lot of them are going through like what we know as like our Saturn return, um, like mm-hmm. 20s into our 30s. And so these You trans- are too. Yeah, you are too. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what would you, what would you say to our listeners who are feeling stuck or feeling, how do I say, like kind of attached to their ideas of what their life should be, like super attached, get low when it doesn't work out in their favor, just feel a little bit stuck in the way that like, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, Diego. I think it makes sense. Do you know no, what I'm I, saying? I think, yeah, I understand. It's like mapping out their life about- and letting go of the map. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that I've written about that isn't always the most popular thing when I try to explain it, but Mm. it's so important. It's really, you know, for each individual, we have to like to really be happy, to really be free or really, you know, grow in your freedom. You have to sort of do enough work, enough internal work that your happiness does not depend on the things that you produce or own, you know? So like what you make in your job, what you you know, what you own and whatnot, if these things are making you happy, then when you don't have them, you're going to be miserable. You know, you're not mm-hmm. going to be happy. So if your happiness is always contingent and dependent on external things, you know, you're stuck. You're still, you're basically, you know, you're still jailed to like all these impermanent situations. That's one thing that I feel like us millennials, you know, that's sort of like the, what comes with capitalism and like the world that we grew up in, you know, that it teaches us that, you know, we're supposed to have these things and this is what success is, but it's sort of breaking that understanding and looking further and actually looking inward. So that's my advice to, that I give to people all the time. If you're miserable, you need to acquire some sort of practice. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be a meditation. There are many meditations out there, you know, so it doesn't have to be exactly the one that I do, but you have to find some type of thing, either like a very serious like yoga sauna practice or, you know, some form of like energy healing or, you know, something. There's a lot of different um, techniques that you can learn and start utilizing to really go and begin your own inward journey. Because when you start going inward and you start actually releasing all of these old habits that have been made, because the, the, the mind is really a series of habits. 
But when you start releasing the, releasing the habits that make you miserable, uh, life just becomes a lot easier and it becomes a lot easier to be happy with what you already have. And then once you become much more peaceful with what you have, it becomes a lot easier to create, you know, much more with your life and be able to attract the new desires and create the new desires that you want in the future. So I, that's my advice to everyone is, you know, take on your own inward journey. Don't be afraid. Like we've all had terrible things happen to us. We all have, um, you know, obviously some far worse than others, but there are things inside of us that scare us. But when we really develop the courage to start going inward, we can observe what's inside of us and start releasing it so that we can be much happier, much freer, much more, you know, real citizens of the world where we can really interact with the world in a way where we're um, not just passive, but being very mm-hmm. active about how to go mm-hmm. about to change, how about to change it, you know, like, and just make, make it a better place. Yep. I heard this Hello quote today, guys. participation to requires so, bravery. But it's super, so, like, super participating in your life requires bravery. So, bravery. So, so I've been using BioClarity um, saying hi for the past couple months now with the person that's I checking you out at the grocery store or looking at people when you're walking or and I um, actually physically being in your body while you are having a conversation every day and I'm requires, like, not kidding, you know, there's like a vulnerability there. Like if you're going to actually show up for every moment of your life, there's a vulnerability that Every moment's not going to be satisfying. It's not going to be amazing, but you most likely will feel every moment much more than if you weren't there. And I just so love that. I think a lot of what you said of releasing and actually getting deeper into your meditation practice But I wanted to ask about, so it's very interesting, you know, if you think about it, where you are very popular on Instagram, you know what I mean? So you're very popular in the space that takes people away, in a sense, being where they are. The code, almost 30, and also can be a place of like first self comparison, and free shipping. you know, it, works, period, it can be used as a tool to inflict, you know, a sense of violence on someone internally. But yet, you've created a space where you provide this inspiration yeah. and insight guys, and these beautiful words. If you love it, what do you think about that? Can you talk a little bit about like your thoughts on Instagram and building this community that you have? Yeah, it's quite interesting. I mean, that's. I think that's one thing I talk about with my wife pretty often. It's it's funny how, you know, I'm existing in a world and we all really exist in a world of contradiction where they're constantly facing each other and like sort of, you know, creating friction amongst each other and mm-hmm. just living in this place where, you know, it's, it's a paradox. Like, you know, I'm over here talking about going inward and you're like with your eyes open looking at the phone. And mm-hmm. it's it's funny, but, you know, like it's, it's I don't think about it too much mm-hmm. differently than reading the newspaper or, or reading or, you know, cause we, we like, I've done so much reading in my own life that has really helped me let go of the books. You know, I still read pretty often, but to start learning from all, you know, the gigantic library that's inside of my own body. Um, but you know, I, I think of the work that I do as just inspiration. Like you said, in the beginning, I think, um, I'm here to just inspire you to let people know that, you know, I'm not perfect by far. Like I still have a lot of things that I need to work on. I still make mistakes. But I do let people know that I am in a different place from where I began my journey. Like I was a lot more, I had so much more anxiety, so much more fear, so much more sadness. You know, very, like I used to like always walk with a cloud of depression above me and mm. something that I never even really talked about. But, you know, there might still be smidgens of that inside me, but it's a lot less than what it was before. And I think that's a, you know, that's a big victory. So I feel like when I talk about and write about these, all these different things, online. It's in the hopes that you know 
just that, that you might even know that you can actually heal yourself. Because a lot of people believe that, you know, once you have something, it's forever. But that's not true at all. The law of the universe is impermanence. Everything arises and passes away. So whatever you may have now will not last forever. That's just not how things work. You know, even if, even if it's death that ends it, eventually it will come to an end. So you can't think about life as just being like this eternal night. You know, eventually day will arrive. So letting people know that they can even actually take charge of themselves, reclaim their power, and just really start delving in. And sometimes, you know, um, I remember when I started turning inward on myself and just started really observing who I am and trying to see what it was that I was running away from and how much I lied to myself. You know, I, I didn't even necessarily have a practice. I was just literally just using pure honesty. And it, it took me a long way. You know, it took me to get to a point where I was strong enough that I was able to start meditating. But just go back to the Instagram, you know, that this whole world that has sort of popped up on my phone, um, being, being able to like talk to so many people and, you know, have so many people read my words every day and not even my words, but just the words that I feel like are coming through me, you know, for one, it's like a big honor. And for two, I just feel like I'm, I'm always trying to do my best because I want to help support and inspire people as much as I can and as much as I can. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a day by day process. Cause I, I don't know, you know, I don't know where it's going to go next. You know, I have no idea, like all these like shout outs that come and people spreading it, you know, it was literally from one day to the next. I was like, Oh wait, this is growing a lot faster than what it was before. And, you know, I think at the beginning of the year, um, like in January, I was at like some 30, 30,000 something. And now it's like, wow. Uh, the middle of the middle of the year. And it's Double, like 70, you know, 73, 74,000. So I was like, well, you know, I don't know, but, that's just how it worked out. I think you have to find people where they are too. So it's like, you know, someone, you can't be like, because this is a place where a lot of people don't find joy and a lot of people don't find deep truth. Um, doesn't mean that the messages shouldn't be shared on the medium because sometimes the people that are scrolling Instagram, you know, need it the most. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think, I think that's. Yeah. I love what you said in your most recent post about how good karma is also you know, something when we turn inward, we create good karma coming to ourselves. I never really thought about it that way. I, I always kind of like think about it as like an outward giving, but to turn inward and be good to yourself and to really pract actually practice and believe in that self-love will bring you good karma too. Yeah. I, um, I felt like that, that one really hit home the last time I went to meditate and my teacher, he said something along the lines that the most wholesome action you can take is the purification of the mind. And it just hit me so hard. And I was like, wow, it's so true. You know, the time that I spend um, and I'm just noticing how my life had personally has changed from when I started meditating to now. And I was like, whoa, there, you know, I have so much more good karma in my life and I feel very blessed and, you know, grateful to have it. And, you know, it's, um, it's not just in that, in that setting, but whenever people really focus on healing themselves, it just creates such a dynamic, you know, wave that you're creating that's happening inward and emitting outward that it really just will totally affect your life and really affect the world around you. Um, and it's hard for us to gauge as individual human beings, but, but this is something that I try to get across too. You know, a lot of people see how messed up the world is and how out of balance it is and mm -hmm. how much harm there is being done. And one of the most, you know, if you really want to do something, you know, I think it's really important to organize, to get out there, to like hit the streets and be protesting and 
you know, create movements that are really planning for a future and trying to change things for the future, not just for the short term and the midterm. But the other side of that is there are movements and us as individuals, we need to have this internal movement, this inward movement that's totally intimate and personal that's happening within ourselves so that we can, you know, not only heal ourselves and allow ourselves to have access to happiness, but that we can allow happiness to flow much more easily throughout the world. And it may seem a bit intangible, but what we're actually doing inside of ourselves is creating so much more space for compassion that when you start connecting, you know, the work that you two have done as individuals, my own work, the people that we know that are, you know, uh, diligently working on themselves, like that is a big, big wave. And it makes us, you know, just much more effective, much more creative about difficult situations and coming to good solutions. And, you know, we're, our generation is slowly becoming the leading generation that will be in charge of the world when we're 40 and 50. So, when we have all of that power, you know, it's, it's important for us to get ourselves ready now so that we can make great, and we have a lot of power now, we don't even need to wait, but, you know, getting ourselves ready now to just be really good. Ready to fight. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Um, that is beautiful. I love, love, love that. Can you tell us about um, your book? Oh, sure. Um, so my book is entitled Inward, mm-hmm. and... Um, the first book, I really wanted to be pretty simple and just sort of in a, a poetic, you know, a format where I have a lot of the smaller pieces that you see on Instagram and a few of the better essays that I've, that I've um, written and to try to explain, you know, a little more deeply what I mean. But it's mainly going to be these small pieces and it'll be somewhere around like 240, 250 pages. And I'm finalizing the last last bits of it now which is very exciting um it has been quite a challenge but you know i'm totally getting through it it should be available for pre-order sometime at the end of uh september or the very beginning of october and um, i actually am already set for my book launch in nyc um it'll be november november uh i think uh 9th I'll be giving more details about that soon. Perfect. We can put that on the show notes. What has it been like? I mean, did you work with a publisher? Were you, was it kind of like your own free reign? Did someone approach you? Was it something that you've been wanting to do? What I ended up, so I did have a few publishers reach out to me. Mm. And, you know, I, I don't know. I listen to my intuition. I try to listen to my intuition as much as possible. I tell, you know, to all people who are also in their Saturn return, that's what you need to do because things go bad when you don't listen to your intuition. So mm. try to listen as clearly as possible because it'll lead you to where you mm. need to go. Yeah. Um, but I really felt my intuition was like, Hey Diego, like take the hard route. Don't take a publisher right now. Create the book yourself. Cause I really felt like that's why I turned to Instagram in the first place. I was like, let me see if anyone even wants to hear this stuff first, you know? Yeah. Um, cause you can always like have the institutions on your side, but I was like, do I have the people on my side? If the people really like it, then, you know, I should create my own book and whatnot. So I just, you know, went totally, you know, kind of against the grain. And it was like, let me just, for one, put the majority of the book out there and see how people receive it and then create it myself, you know? And I've seen a lot of other authors have a lot of success with that. And um, it's been cool. So like now after having... A lot of people who constantly read my work, a lot of institutions are, you know, reaching out to me and like, well, you know, invite me to give talks and whatnot. So, and like interviews and all that stuff. So it's interesting how it's all worked out. 
Love that. People people see your light. Yeah. Um, where could our listeners connect with you? Um, well, mainly through Instagram. Mm-hmm. I mean, I try to respond to as many DMs as I direct messages as I can, but it's kind of tough to keep up. But if you, you know, if you really want to get a hold of me, you can definitely uh, reach me through youngpueblo at gmail dot com. Y u n g p u e b l o at gmail dot com. But generally, I mean, the stuff that I say isn't very different from <laughs> from um, <laughs> what I'm already putting up on Instagram. That's so good, Instagram though. is definitely the main the main avenue, you know, um, and it's young y u n g underscore P-U-E-B-L-O. And I'm also on Twitter and Tumblr and Facebook, but by far, like, the you know, Instagram is the main one that I keep up with. And, and I, that's where I release all my new things and whatnot. That's amazing. We're so awesome. excited for your book. Your book party is going to be amazing. You have to come to LA. Can you come to LA and promote it? Yeah, you can do a meditation yeah. with yeah. our listeners. Let's do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually... I'm hoping to come to LA um, either sometime in December or maybe February, um, but I definitely want to do a reading and give a talk there. Love Great. it. Please let us we'll know so we can help you. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you worry. <laughs> um, thank you so much for making the time. I know our listeners are going to be so excited mm-hmm. to hear from you. We appreciate your voice and your talent, and uh, we can't wait to connect again. Thanks yeah, so thank much. Yeah, thank you too so much. It was wonderful speaking with you. Oh, I wish yeah. you the best. Oh, you thanks too. so much. Have a good one. Have a good one. Bye. Yeah, you too. Take care. Bye. Ciao.